welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Hey, mate. You all right? I am great, mate. The question is, how are you? Are you is your mouth okay? Uh, <clears throat> not really. Oh, man. So, I, I, you know, a, a lot of time, a lot of our life is stories are, are parallel with our, our, our wives and then some other things that happen. But, boy, it, I kind of sh- sh- struck again. <laughs> yeah, with you, I had I kind of happened. It happened to me first, but then you. So yeah, because you while you were away, you had to get a root canal. Um, not a root canal. No. I had to have a get a tooth extraction. Extraction. Yeah, it's so close. Yeah, then. and a bone graft. A bone graft. What do they yeah, do with my that? Tooth. I, honestly, I, I don't know. But what's kind of weird is I have a I have a new tooth growing out my ear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know, but yeah, so we, I was in Arizona and had to yeah. have a tooth extraction, but you got you just had a root canal. No, 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 no. Well, that's the same thing, but no. So I was meant to have a root canal. Okay. Until they told me how much it was going to be. Oh, then you said take the tooth. Then I said just take the tooth, because literally it's going to be nearly $4,000. Oh, And mercy. I'm like, I am not paying $4,000. Yeah, hey, we have a donate button now on the Revival Town. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit late now because I Get took it out. Any of two. Get any of two. Get any of two. So yeah. I did the same as you. Um, but when they would, and I hate dentists. I mean, I honestly, I'm not. Oh, I had a bad experience in England many, many years ago as mm. a kid. And they cut the wrong tooth, oh. cut the nerve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, well, you've seen most English people see. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it. I wasn't going to say it. So, uh. so um, national health is all good. Uh, so, but no, I. Uh, so I didn't want to pay that. So I just got it yanked. So, but as they were, did you pu- have to wear a cagoule? Oh, that's good. That's good. So they're oh. pulling at it, you know, and she's like working, like she's numbing me up, so I can't feel it. But you can feel the pressure, you know what I mean? <laughs> but she's like, it's not, it's not coming out. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> we got this far. You got to go all the way, type of thing. And she was like, "It the, the tooth had grown into the bone of the jaw. You know what, what I mean? It like oh seized, and so she was having to like leverage it off there. Wow! And finally got it out. But it's a, well, I noticed when he came in, he, he, blood was coming out of your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been it's been five days. It's still bleeding. I'm just. <laughs> But yeah, so that was my excitement this week. It uh, wasn't really... And here's, how, here's why it happened this week. They told me that I would need to get a root canal. I'm like, I'm not paying that, you know. Can you get me in to get it took out? Yeah, sure, no problem. So they scheduled me to the end of October, right? Yeah. Well, they'd given me antibiotics because it was, it was starting to yeah. do all the nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd already gone through two prescriptions of antibiotics. And I'm like, I can't do this till the end of October. My gut's going to be like nasty. So yeah. I called them. I'm like, I'm in a bit of pain and I don't want to be on antibiotics. And they got me in that day. Wow. So that's why I got it done this week okay, and not. Yeah. You know, yeah. All right. So I'm sorry, well, listeners. I know that was a long story to get yeah, there, but yeah. I got a tooth took out this but, week and but, I hate yeah. it. But, I'm just yeah. glad. I'm just glad you're okay. Uh, sure you are. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of okay, our guest is today is better than okay, man. This guy's great. And, um, you missed last week. We're doing a rewind yeah. for a couple weeks here. And we're really excited to, to rewind 
this episode. Yeah, we've got Leland back. Uh, coming, Say coming back. It's the same conversation we had, but he's the guy who, I mean, he's written a lot of songs. Uh, Lion and the Lamb is one of the most popular ones that churches sing for yep. sure. Um, but he was the guy who brought to America uh, Waymaker. Which, you know, has and I didn't up. know until we were preparing to interview him that he wasn't the one who wrote Waymaker, right? Because right. he sang it and it blew up. Yeah, I just assumed he, he wrote it. Yeah, but he definitely put it on the map here yes, in America, man. He did. And, it, and and you know, when we interviewed, um, uh, he c- couldn't really go into it too much, but they were in the process of adopting another child but that has happened just a few weeks ago uh they welcomed another child into their home so that's pretty cool it's really so, cool great so, great update so why don't you sit back relax and enjoy this conversation with leland this podcast is part of the edify podcast network edify is a faith inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today came to the forefront of the worship music world in 2004, debuted their first project, The Revolutionary Sound of Melodies, in 2006. Fast forward to the here and now, four Grammy nominations, eight um, Dove Award nominations under the belts. Leland has become one of the most important voices in our new generation of worship music. Their lives, ministry, and music are a true extension of their passion to simply worship God personally and in community. Leland, we are so honored to have you on Revival Town Podcast. Welcome. What's up, guys? I'm so excited to be here with you. This is amazing. It is is great to see you and hear from you, Leland. Uh, Again, Leland has been uh, to Peoria, I want to say three times now. Yeah. uh, And uh, many different avenues and on his own, uh, then coming with other uh, guys like Brandon Heath uh, came and Francesca Ballastelli. And we uh, had we had some of the most, my favorite memories of Peoria is, is some of the most epic uh, indoor soccer matches. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, it so got... I, it got I heard pretty, that you were a soccer fan, so this is, I'm basically... Oh, it's, I'm, it's yeah, legit, man. Like, you know, there's some people that are like, yeah, I like soccer, but then when <laughs> these guys are showing up and saying... We're football fans. Yeah, yeah. That's but football. now we know that the the, yeah. the language has changed. Yes. And well, my my brother in law Leland is, yeah. is from Indonesia. He's Chinese from Indonesia, and he is a soccer fanatic. And I, yes. I I've been trying to get him and Andy together, so I should have brought him. Oh, today. come on. <laughs> yeah. It, well, we we stumbled into it. I think like in the early days in the early two, 2000s when we started traveling like over some of the first like dates that we got were actually in like holland of all oh, places wow. and so we went to holland and we started playing across there at these different churches and we realized really quickly it like is the world's game it's like oh yeah 
everyone plays this game. And it was so cool because you just sit down with people that you could barely have a, like a conversation with in broken English and then play this game perfectly together. And it's like, it's really awesome. Yeah. And the only problem, though, is um, Leland supports the wrong Manchester team. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a Manchester United fan. But Leland supports the Noisy Neighbours, which is Manchester City, correct? Yes, all because of a man named Carlos Tevez. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. uh, oh man, the best. Wow. Well, my brother-in-law is a Liverpool fan. Oh, so oh. Now your, your brother's a Liverpool fan, right? Yeah, so my brother's a Liverpool fan, so we go each other's throats a bit, but we both, uh, we come together and seeing Man United get destroyed in oh. any way possible. So, Whatever oh, Man United's so, playing, like whatever oh. teams are playing United, we root for each other. So, well, it was great so, having Leland on the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> so, 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 Leland, do you play? Oh yeah, I oh, play. I, man, I, I wish I was a t- I was still a homeschool kid. I probably would have if I would have been like in public school. I probably would have played in school because I just loved it so much. I, I was I was a latecomer though to soccer I, or to football. I say soccer for all of my American friends, but I was a latecomer to it. Um, our uh, drummer. Mike, our original drummer, um, is uh, has played in high school. An amazing, like high school striker, uh, played a forward position, and so he got us into it on the road. So the early in that, like it was probably two thousand five or six. We were in. It's really funny. We were in Pennsylvania, and we were actually playing. Supposed to play at. I think it was Creation East. Is might have been what the festival was called, and and there we were supposed to have it, and there were these that the location of the festival was actually in this out in the woods and it's kind of like in this field but the field had these hills that's sort of like in a pit almost but i mean you could it's a massive pit you could literally you know have like 20 or thirty thousand people there i mean it's just it's a big field that has these hills that cascade down well the rain was just apparently torrential like a couple of days before and they were worried about actual mudslides like they had to (laughs) cancel that because they said if we have it, there could be terrible mudslides and it'd be awful. So we just were like, we were stuck there in Pennsylvania because we had another show like three or four days later, somewhere close. It just didn't make sense to drive back to Texas from Pennsylvania. <laughs> and we're all like broke, poor musicians. So we're like doing like, okay, we don't have enough money to go home and then go to this place. So we just stayed in Pennsylvania at, uh, there was this little motel we were staying at. And there was this, um, I think it was like a, a maybe a Catholic university or uh, high school that had this really nice like turf um field and it overlooked like you know it's very much like the smoky mountains up there it's really pretty and it just overlooked these mountains and this is this is in the summer during the 2006 world cup so we would watch the games at like six in the morning and we got super into it you know Wow. And Mike trying to teach us all about the game and teach us all about the different players. And then we went to Walmart and got like really terrible, you know, cleats and a, and a ball that just was already falling apart. And we went out, we went out to the field and we just were like, this looks so easy. And we just, <laughs> so American. The way we went about doing it. But, uh, but it, it just went stuck. It was just an easy game to bring, bring with us on the road. Well, I've, I've got a bit of a confession to make. So last night I text Mike, who was your drummer, who you're talking about, because every time, you know, there's a Man United Chelsea, because he's a Chelsea fan, game, yeah. you know, we're going back and forth. I mean, all these years later, it's always there. But I texted him and I said, hey, just double checking, Leland's a, a Man City fan, right? And he just sent a vomit picture back. <laughs> 
Oh, dude, it's great. Oh, well, relationship gets written, and we actually had some pretty political, uh, you know, discussions about like finances and how these teams were doing it. It's so funny. It's just, it, you know, it's 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 really dramatic. Actually, the, yeah. the whole tabloid culture around the Premier League soccer is is really funny. It's quite funny, actually. It's awesome. <laughs> So, so my soccer story. Oh no! Here we go. I'm not a soccer guy. This is a, when I was a sophomore in high school, new school. I went to this Christian school to play basketball. I'm like, you know what? It's fall. I'm like, everybody's like, you should play soccer. Everybody plays. And I'm like, man, I'm in. So, um, I was on the team. Didn't play a whole lot. Didn't really know what I was doing. Um, in the yearbook, there's a picture of me on the bench. <laughs> And I'm sitting there with this this look on my face that is just, um, it was a really cold game, outdoor cold. I was freezing. I had this real concern look on my face. And the caption in the yearbook was, boy, I wish I was out there playing. <laughs> so, so anyway, fast forward to my freshman year in Bible college. They had an open tryout for the soccer team. I'm like, you know what? Redemption time. <laughs> so I tried out, made the team, and quit. I just wanted to see if I could make it. <laughs> that's my soccer. That's my history right there. Oh, man. Well, that's man stick it to the man. That, <laughs> you know. Well, Leland, I mean, we, we could talk all day about English football. We really could. But um, I know there's a lot of people that um, are tuning in because of what you – have done in the worship movement uh, throughout the globe, not just in the U.S. And we're going to get a little bit into that. Um, but Chuck, I know you were you're asking me, where, what is Leland all about? Where's he from? And you know, I know you had some questions. So just to start that off, why don't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. Go, go there. So why don't you tell? Obviously, um, we could say two words: waymaker. Just blew it up taking the world by storm and we did it this i used to fact this last weekend during the altar call and just you know awesome. um, a call to action just it's obviously it's an incredible song and a lot of people um, connect you with with waymaker but why don't you tell who, who is leland tell us about your family your home church life ministry all that stuff no yeah so we we are so our, i'm actually from baytown texas that's actually where i'm you know where i'm at right now it's where we live uh, me and my wife, we were uh, we we both got married when we were nineteen and eighteen. We met in wow. our home church. So my mom and my dad, uh, Todd and Cindy, they're they're pastors of a church still today in in Baytown called Celebration of Life. And uh, we actually started that church as a family in our house, like wow. in the, way cool. This would have been man, like early two thousands, like two thousand one, two thousand two. We started it there in our house here in Baytown, and um, my parents growing up uh, were actually uh, musicians and worship pastors. So my my dad actually is an incredible musician, plays piano and bass, and just killer. Just one of the, still to this day one of the best musicians I've ever heard on bass and piano. And my mom is an amazing singer. And she's like the life of the family, real loud, you know, like and then just the everybody. She's everyone's mom, and then uh, and then my dad just very, you know, quiet, unassuming, just amazing. And so we grew up watching them kind of tag team together. My dad would MD the bands. My mom would teach these big choirs, you know. So we grew up in kind of church in the '90s, 
you know, early 90s, mid 90s, you had your, you know, 60 voice choir, which is an, I want to bring that back. It was awesome. <laughs> and then you had like a praise team, you know, like your best singers. And so she kind of would organize all that and dad would sort of MD the bands from like either a B3 or, or a piano. And so that's kind of what we grew up in, in East Texas. And then uh, there was a period of about two, two and a half years where my parents felt the call from God to uh, follow behind these two different evangelists. Like they're these kind of revivalist preachers uh, that are, they're still a big part of my life today. Um, and I call them like, like my spiritual granddads cause they're, you know, they, they love it. They don't mind it. And, uh, <laughs> but their names are, uh, Dale and Jean Gentry. And that's a couple that is from Texas. And then the other couple is, is Nigel and Kathy McNeil. They're from Australia. And so we got connected with them through a ministry friend. My parents at the time, we, uh, you know, were actually let go from this church. It was all this dramatic stuff and, you know, life is just full of, uh, <laughs> full of twists and turns. So, um, and so we didn't know what we we're going to do next. You know, my dad, all of his friends worked in a chemical plant, you know, they, which is a great job. A lot of people have that job here in this side of the country. Um, and so he was getting ready to do that. And, uh, they just felt this to take this massive leap of faith and follow behind one of these evangelists, Nigel and his wife, Kathy, who are from Australia. And at the time, us kids, we were in public school we're like elementary and uh, we were kind of singing with mom and dad a little bit like at church from time to time uh, music is just kind of a, in the air in our family but we we weren't really taking it like intensely seriously or anything and uh, I remember just the day that they walked in and said hey like we feel like God's calling us to pack up our car and follow behind this wow. evangelist wow. and just travel the country and we just feel like the Lord telling us to do this and we also hear God saying that he, he uh, that you guys are going to help us minister and help us do music and so um so my mom it got me and my brother in a room and and taught us how to how to uh harmonize and sing like alto and tenor and so we basically were like a family trio and we traveled behind these two preachers that are still a massive part of my life today and we would basically hold these week they would hold these week-long revival services you know old yeah. school revival services yeah. like five nights a week and we, and our family would do the music for it so we would my dad had like a keyboard and like a, a mini disc player you guys remember mini discs and they were out <laughs> for like six months so we had one of those <laughs> and we put all of our tracks on there and we would sing like southern gospel like black gospel music and then around that time we were starting to get into um some of the early hillsong records so we would kind of cover some of those songs as well so basically those two and a half years though revolutionized and changed the course of our family um and all of my memories i'm 32 now and all of my memories looking back on that time I, same with my brother and my little sister shelly all three of us look back on it as the most transformative years of our whole family just changed the course of all for all of us um because you were either experiencing real like tangible moves of the presence of god where it's just kind of undeniable like something's yeah. happening you know because you're in the middle of nowhere you're in some of these churches that are in you know a, a town so small that if you like sneeze you know you're gonna you're gonna miss it so you're out there in the middle of nowhere and this is remember this is before social media this is before yeah. 
uh, the worship movement really that like the, the newest iteration of that ex- exploding um and so really you're you're seeing people get healed you're seeing people you know get set free you're seeing people get changed in the matter of days and marriages get put back together and just crazy testimonies and so it's kind of undeniable as a kid you're like got something supernatural is happening here and that those moments have stuck with me since it into my adult life even throughout all my questions or um theological questions or uh whatever that is philosophical stuff throughout all of that i'm able to look back at the encounters i've had like these memorial moments with god and go well those were real and i had real encounters with the lord and so i'm going to press in to whatever that is and, and pursue that relationship and intimacy with god and so our parents were amazing they kind of led us through that whole two and a half years so it was either really great stuff like that or it was just really funny so <laughs> you you were either laughing or crying the whole time um and that's good so which we can get into some of those later but it was just an amazing two and a half years and I, the reason i tell that I, I i feel like it's a massive part of of our story the like the band leland i feel like it's just it none of that would have happened if, if our parents wouldn't have taken that leap of faith uh, it was during those two and a half years that um, that I started to get melody ideas and and hear hear melodies and my parents would kind of help uh, help me finish a song idea. So I didn't know that was co-writing. I didn't know that's what we were doing, but that's that's what we were doing. So yeah. I would you know get these melodies in these services. And these services were you know three four hours long. They would just you never knew what you were getting into. It was really exciting actually because yeah. one night people might be shouting and dancing and flags and shofars and everybody's going nuts and it's awesome and the next night you know people are lying out in the ground and my dad's playing piano softly and and nobody wants to say a word because it's like this sweet presence of god in the room and um so it was really exciting actually it was an exciting environment to be in and it was in those environments or in those atmospheres maybe it's a better word um that i would start getting uh melodic uh you know ideas so i would just kind of start singing it and try to remember it and then after the service i would sing it to my mom and my dad and then my dad would sort of put chords to it in the hotel he'd get his keyboard out and say worry about this chord and, and i was like yeah that sounds right and so you play stuff and then my mom would say well what is it what does it feel like you want to sing you know what do you what are some of those words that you're singing and what does that mean what is she would kind of pull it out yeah and so they both really were a massive part that big leap of faith combined with my parents parenting and and also their pursuit of god was a was the catalyst i think that god used to to push me and my older brother and my little sister into a desire for music and and to see music actually as a call from god not just as a hobby or something fun but to actually see it as maybe a call of god in our life and so we when we came back home after two and a half years to to start a church and we really didn't know that's what we were doing we came home we once again my dad was kind of weighing up these great job options to a friend of his was like hey you can move to meet move with us to colorado and be an electrician he had this great benefits and everything all the stuff that like you know you don't ever have in church like <laughs> so, <laughs> you know it's great it's beautiful in denver like you know and so all of us kids were kind of excited about doing something new and and then they they we fasted and prayed as a family and god just said start a church in your house and it was in our church our early youth group services so when when you start a church with your family like basically all of the kids 
are staff members. They're unpaid staff. (laughs) So that's that's your volunteer base is your kids. So, so you're, so we were excited to plant this church. Um, all five of our cousins, uh, they all lived here. Our aunt is from here, from this area in Baytown. Baytown's kind of like just outside of Houston and just east of Houston. And so when we moved back after those two and a half years, we were like charged up, ready to go. Our family was just full of all these encounters we'd have with God and testimonies. And so when God gave us a green light to start this church, it really, first of all, we were freaking out because my dad is, is one of the most, he's one of the sweetest people, persons you'll ever meet. But he's just not a public speaker or public communicator, or at least he wasn't then. Right. So the idea of my dad <laughs> sitting in front of people and talking, like we were like, Dad, you're going to have to like preach like a sermon. <laughs> and and he's like, I know, I know it sounds crazy. And I, and, I, and I, I wouldn't have came up with this idea myself. He said, but God just really is, I think, wants our family to do this. So we started it. Well, we were like, well, we got to have something for young people. You know, we can't just gather everyone in our house. We got something for our age group. And uh, we were homeschool weird kids. You know, we were weird homeschool kids. <laughs> we're like, you, know, you can always tell a homeschool kid because they're, they're great at, at adult with adult conversations. Like, <laughs> having conversations with like people times their age, they're not that great with having conversations with people their age. Oh, that's, it. that's so true. And so we told all of our cousins, we said, look, y'all are in public school. You're normal. We need you guys to go grab your friends and bring them to our, our youth service. So, so they were our uh, our ambassadors. They went out and they recruited at the middle school and high school, brought kids to our house. And and we just, that's kind of how the Leland Band was formed. We didn't really have like this, you know, epic Genesis story. We just, you know, we just said, hey, look, we're just going to start it was natural we were already me and my brother were already kind of writing songs together a little bit here and there and uh at this time i was about 15 and my brother was 18 and so my my brother was like 18 going on 40. he's always been an old soul so he was oh, we'll talk about him in just a little yeah. bit don't worry yeah. my favorite instagram account he's my hero so uh so he he basically was was our youth pastor and and started was preaching and teaching every week and i was kind of helping out with music and our in these youth services and so that's kind of the the beginning of our band mike our original drummer uh, his mom and dad were starting were planning a church at the same time on the other side of town and so we met him through a friend at ihop are you like take over ihop and like late at night and eventually we got kicked out because we were just too loud and but this is so great it's so great so we we met mike through a friend and he just said hey look i'll come play drums for you guys because we needed a drummer on thursday nights if you guys will come to to our youth group on tuesdays and help us with music so that's good deal and yeah. that's kind of how the beginning of the band started. It was right there. That's wow. that, that's that's the the big beginning in the nutshell. So it's amazing how it's so um, cool. You know, we, we've interviewed quite a few different worship guys. Um, I, my mind obviously goes back to Martin Smith, and uh, and even thinking about Hillsong United and how movements really started with the youth within the church. Their youth groups. I know Delirious. They were doing youth events. Uh, that exploded obviously they weren't delirious when they started they were just a youth band uh, same with hillsong united there wasn't really a 
a massive youth group until they just started singing yeah. these songs that were bringing a generation closer to Jesus. Uh, it's amazing when you look back in revivals. I've studied revival quite a bit. Yeah. It's the young people who get the thing rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can. It, I can totally connect with with your story. Um, my dad is a minister as well, and I grew up uh, originally from Phoenix and moved moved to Illinois when right before eighth grade. But when I was a kid, my my dad started a church and we renovated a garage and turned it into the sanctuary. And my dad. <laughs> Yeah, he would tell you today he's not a he's not a pastor. He's a power preacher. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with R. W. Shambach, but man, that's 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 like my dad. Man, he's this power preacher. Doesn't need a microphone. If you're in the front row, you're gonna have to put on. You know, um, it's like being at a Gallagher concert because he's yes. spitting. And, <laughs> right? yeah. and um, but he's not a pastor. He's not a shepherd, right? But he's just. And I so but he had this church, a small congregation. We met in our house. And I was 12 teaching Sunday school, you know, so you, I just connect with, yeah. my, you know, my brother and I have a younger brother and sister and they were in my class. And anyway, let's go from 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 that time where, OK, this is a worship thing yeah. with our church to now um, somehow someone hears you. Yeah. And you're getting signed, right? How does how did that all happen? Well, it's a miracle. It really is a miracle. I mean, I, I think back on it now, and I have you know so many friends in Nashville or, or young friends who are younger than I that are moving to places like Nashville and LA and Austin to to pursue their dream uh, of of music or or film or whatever they're pursuing. And when I look back on our story, I just it really without and once again, social the best you had at that time was MySpace. You know, so like <laughs> this also this integrated platform machine. It was just it was so archaic, and so you really were if you were in a small town, you were in a in a small town. If you're in kind of a, a what was like kind of sort of a forgotten place that uh, to society, you really w- were there. And so the temptation to move even in those days was was probably I would say even higher. Yeah. Um, and so we were in Baytown, you know, you mentioned something earlier, uh, Andy, that the young people in, in the moves of God that you've been a part of, it seems like the young people are the sort of the churning engine that move things forward. I, I would add it. And I think you would agree with this too. Uh, if, if you look back on some of those movements that you've been a part of or experienced the healthy ones, it seems like there, there is this kind of exploratory thing that happens with the young people but it's almost like they're they're able to do that because there is like this healthy uh um covering from an and an honor towards an older generation that is also exists in that movement that is being able to hold on to the old paths that they're still healing in so jeremiah talks about the old paths that uh, that bring healing to not forget them uh and then Isaiah talks about, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, you know, do you have eyes to see it? So I I do think that it's kind of a a healthy um, environment for a a, a new move of God is always, you know, one hand on the things that generations before grasped in God and maybe even fought for in God um, and that we're kind of reaping sort of the benefits from, uh, from their pursuit. And then at the same time, the other hand is is pressing forward to the new thing that God is doing. I think a good example of that would be like 
if you look now at the worship movement, if you look back to, you know, during the Jesus movement, you know, in the sixties, um, they were the weirdos that were kind of, if you do any research on that time or YouTube's a great resource for that, just go there and just type any videos from that area. It really is kind of incredible to watch that you had a whole group or an entire generation and and specifically of in terms of leaders there was kind of a remnant of leaders there that were leading this thing trying to encourage it along but really they look like the weird movement in right. the church they hmm. if you look at the fruit the fruit was salvation healing lives being changed it's all the good stuff that we want but at, on the outside like kind of i guess if you could say aesthetically or on the outside looking at it if you're not looking for the fruit it looks like it's uncontrolled and it looks like it's unmanageable and it looks maybe like it's a little too ragtag um you know maybe not theologically strong enough right, right it looks right. too uh yeah just it just looks too immature almost yeah. and but you start to see that all this fruit coming from it and all these lives are being changed and yeah. you know most of their meetings in the, during the jesus movement were out outside you know right. churches wouldn't even let him in. Some churches would, but some churches wouldn't. They were kind of standoffish from the movement. Um, but then over the course of time, we see the music coming out of that movement was all songs, you know, at that time, most of the songs in the church were, at, at best, were about God and about the saving power of God and, and about what he can do, which is amazing. We need to sing songs about God and remind ourselves about his power, his nature, who he is. I think those are important. Yeah. But during that time, the, the, the drive was the Jesus movement. I want to sing songs directly to God. I want to sing Jesus. I love you. I want to be nearer to you. I want to be, I want to sing converse. I want to have a conversation with God in a song. And so these lovey dovey songs began to pop up in this movement. And now you fast forward, you know, 50, 60 years. Now it's, it's, it's normal for us to sing Jesus. I love you. Jesus to be near to you show me your heart show me your ways that's actually that's very normal it's it's just the air we breathe now and yeah. but there was a whole generation that had to fight for that and kind of go out on a limb and and be be the john the baptist be the ones who are out in the wilderness a bit uh forging a path that we could kind of come behind and so um you know during that uh during that time when we started our our church, there was definitely a bit of that where it felt like a, it was sort of a microcosm of of that. Our youth group was, you know, maybe seventy or eighty kids strong, and and we were a small church, but it was it seemed like the youth group was growing really really fast. Yeah, and we didn't really have any kind of plan when we would gather together. We just literally had speakers on sticks. My aunt had this business she had started. Uh, that had this kind of warehouse. It was like a home decorating business. And so they had this shipping warehouse. So we met inside of there because they had AC and fluorescent lighting and, and space to put chairs. And that was it. And so I love it. It was just, that's it. And so we, we would meet there and it was so loud because there was just no drums inside of a, you know, tiled room. It's just the loudest thing. So wow. it, it was loud. It was crazy. But our parents were there and other other. Uh, older leaders who were there just cheering us on and um, and praying over us and kind of overseeing everything and and we would have good conversations with mom and dad after services and say what would, what happened here this thing happened what does that mean or you know we'd get in good conversations about leadership and about 
um, what, what, what God was even doing, trying to wrap our heads around it and understand. And um, songs started coming up out of that place. And I, um, during that time, I was, I was um, about 14 or 15. And I went to, when I was 14, I went to this, this talent show. So I kept, I, this is the funny part about kids, you know, uh, young teens and kids, they, they just sort of have like this uh, brave look at the world, which I think is awesome. And uh, it's obviously it's, it can be very immature and naive at times, but also it's, it's just good. It's like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to change the world with this thing. And so like, <laughs> there's nothing that can stop me. There's not going to be any problem. You know? So like, um, I definitely had that mentality. And so I was, I kept telling mom I was like, mom, you got to find, do you know any music producers? I didn't even know what a producer was. I just kept asking her if she knew any producers. I, I had TV shows and producers sounded important. Um, so I kept asking her about that and she said, well, I don't know any producers, but I do know that uh, one of her best friend's sons was, uh, his name was David. He was playing bass in a band called Among Thorns, which is like this oh, yeah. worship band, rock band at the time. And they were touring all over the country. And so he was the only person in our world that we knew that was kind of in the music industry, you know? And so my mom calls him up and he said, Hey, I, well, I've heard about this talent show that happens in, in Nashville called embassy music. You should, you know, if you guys can, can do it, like pay the ticket and go up there and you and Leland go and have him enter into the competition. And I don't even know if he really knew about this or if he just kind of like looked something up online and found something, but <laughs> it, it was awesome. Uh, we didn't have any, any really any money to go on this, trip the gas money food hotel so my aunt who was doing pretty well in business at the time she just said hey i'll i'll fund the trip and so wow, wow. i didn't have my license so my mom drove us in our lincoln town car you know all the way to nashville from baytown that's like 13 hours yeah wow. <laughs> uh, you know all the way up and i was 14 i entered into this competition and you get there's like a songwriting side and there's an artist uh division i entered into both and was a song that one of the first songs I'd written and uh, was just kind of starting to learn how to play acoustic guitar. And I, I got finalist in both, but didn't win. We met a guy there who started the, the competition uh, called Darwin Moody. And so we met Darwin and he just said, hey, I, I don't know why. I mean, there was like 500 people there. Like he didn't have to talk to us. There's quite a few people there. They were all paying money to be a part of this conference. They had like sessions during the day. So I was learning stuff about songwriting and co-writing and management and all these things that, you know, we're just taking notes. We, we didn't know what any of this stuff, we'd never heard any of this before. And, um, Darwin just really attached himself to both me and my mom. He loved my mom. He just loved that she, cause she's just hilarious. She'll just have you <laughs> cutting up laughing the whole time. And he just, uh, my mom was actually a great momager. She was a great momager throughout our years. <laughs> so, this is a great story. Oh my. No, she's amazing. And uh, he said, you know, I just want to help you guys. I, I don't know what I can do, but I just, I'm here for you. And so he invited us to come back the following uh, month. He said, if you can come back next month, I'm having a more kind of exclusive uh, with about maybe 10 or 15 people that I really believe in just a songwriting uh, seminar. And that's it at the same hotel we're going to meet next month. Uh, and we were like, yeah, we'll try. And so we go back home. My aunt says, I'll pay for this trip too. And so we go back, she pays for another trip. We drive back up the next month. And this is like two days. It's really intensive, just about songwriting. 
And um, I was the youngest one there. I think I was like 14, like all these other people around me are like adults that are like, have been doing this thing for a long time. And I'm like, kind of all intimidated. And um, it was an amazing time. And at the end of those, at the end of those two days, he had each songwriter in the room, get up and sing a song. And you can either cover a song or you can um, perform an original song. Well, I covered a worship song. I said, I'm going to cover a worship song. It's one of my favorites. It was by a worship leader, a British worship leader named Godfrey Bertel. And he had this song called Beautiful River. Mm. So I'm nervous because uh, Darwin on this particular day invited an industry professional, right? To come in and critique everybody. (laughs) Well, uh, this guy's name is Kent Coley, this industry professional. And uh, Kent was just a buddy of his at the time doing him a favor he worked he did work in the industry so he's there critiquing everybody's songs or performances that they're covering so i just covered the song and i'm just so nervous i like barely know how to play the song and i'm like <laughs> i don't know how to perform i was like I, you know I've been, my whole life has just been in church and these services and worship i've been watching my parents lead so i'm like i'm just gonna close my eyes and just worship and so i just sing the song beautiful river and i opened my eyes after the song's done I was so nervous. I opened my eyes when it was done. And uh, and uh, Kent, the industry guy, is just crying. He's wow. weeping. And it's like, actually really awkward. Like, he's he's crying. Like, I'm kind of crying. And, like, <laughs> uh, a couple of people are. And he's just like, it's a small little room, you know, if you can imagine those really small conference rooms. And he just said, hey, can we just take a 10-minute break? And I want to spend some time here and, and talk to uh, uh Leland's mom actually. So I go out with everybody. Like I was like, man, this must have been really bad. Like I don't know what's going on. And so he's talking to my mom and Darwin. And I think my mom ended up saying what he said was he said, listen, I've heard better singers. I've heard better guitar players. I've heard better artists and performers. You know, and he's like, but there is something about you guys. I felt something here today and I feel like I'm really supposed to help you. And he said, but I I don't have a job right now. Like I just got let go from this record label. And uh, I think he was working at Forefront at the time. And he said, yeah, I just, I, when I get a job, I want to help you guys. And so we we're wow. like, that, that's awesome. It sounds pretty promising. You know, when you get yeah. a job. He- <laughs> <laughs> Could be 20 so, years, so, but so I'll call you. <laughs> so, we, we go home and fast, fast forward, like I think it was something like six or seven months goes by. You know, and and we just dove back into our youth group, dove back into what God was doing there, kept writing songs of my brother. Newer songs were coming. Um, our At the time, we kind of had formed a band. So it was myself, my brother, our drummer, Mike, and a buddy of ours, Jeremiah, and my cousin, Jake, was playing bass. And uh, he's my age. He was just kind of like living this sort of rebel life, like hanging out with little bad kids. And then my mom, one day, he walked in the house and she was like, Jake, what are you doing with your with your life? And he was like, he was like, uh, uh, I don't know, Miss Cindy. And she was like, we need a bass player. Todd, teach him how to play bass. You're, you're gonna be- <laughs> she got him in church by playing bass, so he had that's to be at all these things, so he couldn't right. go do bad stuff. And uh, so that's kind of like all was our band, and we wow. were playing youth group lock ins and wherever we could around town, just leading worship, really. And uh, we would sing covers like Hillsong songs and Delirious, and we would uh, cover like Switchfoot and other uh, songs, and then we would maybe throw in there like one or two that we had written, and we would have our practices. We would practice every 
every uh, Friday night we would practice at, um, so our buddy Mike, his church was meeting in a funeral home. What? Wow. Man. And it's this old funeral home in the old kind of town. It was the scariest place ever. And so we, we would, they, we would practice there because they just had it open most of the week. And so we would stay at this funeral home from on Friday nights from like eight o'clock at night to like two in the morning, just did you write ain't no grave (laughs) (laughs) you know what it actually sounds like the beginnings of a great metal band like we were actually it's the most metal thing we've ever done was rehearse in a funeral home but it never that's good this is soft you know pop rock worship music so (laughs) we were writing all these songs and and um you know fast forward about six seven months later Kent calls us again and says, Hey, like I got this job at this, um, at this publishing company, you know, and we're kind of like, he's trying to explain to us, like, we're kind of like a record label, but instead of signing artists, we sign songwriters and we try to find and develop songwriters. And I really think, you know, Leland, your son, I feel like he could be a great songwriter. Um, I would love for him to meet my boss my job is to go find songwriters. And so uh, mom was like, well, you could just play him the demo because I had a demo and this demo was called the Shine EP. <laughs> the song is called Shine. And, and I literally have this, it was actually the worst thing because the background of the, of the CD was, was white, right? Well, if you look at my face, it literally, uh, my skin tone is the skin tone of paper. So when you put my white face on a white background, all you see is red hair and blue eyes. It's the same thing in your entire life. Oh man. man. So, um so he's like he said, I'm not playing my boss that EP. He said Ken's <laughs> a really funny guy. He said, I'm not playing my boss that EP. You can barely see Leland in the picture and he sounds like Michael Jackson. I'm not doing it. Like Oh man. You need to. Yeah, I know. I know he's got newer songs. I wanted to meet him in person. So I fl- my first airplane flight ever was up to Nashville. I'll fly by myself up there. Or actually, no, I think my mom came with me. We flew up there this time, and uh, we go in this meeting. And uh, Kent's boss, his name is Eddie DeGarmo. He was in a oh, Christian wow. and Key. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. You know about DeGarmo and Key? They're yeah. legends. And so here's Eddie and. You know, my dad had told me a little bit about the band because I didn't know about his band. And so my dad was like, yeah, I was in Spangler. We listened to some of the music. And and so uh, we're going to this meeting and he just says, well, Leland, sing me some songs. And so I sang him. I think it was like two or three newer ones I'd written with my brother. And they were just all worship songs, you know, songs that we would sing in youth group. Um, and at the end of it, he just said, well, he said, I can definitely see that you there's a lot of potential there. He said, but what, you know, what do you want to do? Do you? Uh, do you want to be a rock star? What do you want to do? And I just, and I, that sounded kind of weird. Like the question, I was just kind of like, I said, I just want to lead worship. I just want to lead worship. And he said, really? He said, you just want to lead worship? And I was like, yeah, so that's just what I love doing. He said, so you don't want to be a rock star? You don't want to be famous? He's like, no, I don't care about being famous. And just, this is what we do. Like I just lead worship my family and want to keep doing this. And, but I'd love to get better at songwriting. And he said, well, we'll, we'll do a developmental deal. So for that for the next year, I just signed a year-long development deal with, um, at the time it was called uh, EMI CMG, 
and uh, now it's Capital. And so I signed with them as a, a writer and they just, for the next year, they would take me up to town like once a month and I would write with these more seasoned writers that were two and three times my age, you know, like they, I, to this day, I just, I'm so thankful that somebody was willing to get into a room with, you know, to say, yeah, I'll these great writers. I'll take time for my busy schedule to write with this 15 year old kid, you know, like this emo kid with like hair in his face. Like I was so emo (laughs) and you know, that they would just like take time out of their, out of their schedule to, you know, help encourage some kid in writing. And, um, most of those writes, I was just taking notes, you know, just, I would just watch them write and I would just kind of like take notes on mentally how they would get there. And, you know, my mom would tell me beforehand, Hey, make sure and take a lot of notes, ask a lot of questions. And so that's kind of like the beginning of our connection to Nashville or to like the Christian wow. music industry. Wow. And it sort of snowballed after that. The, the, a year later, I did a demo that year um, with a great writer and producer named Mark Bird. And he wrote, uh, at the time, he wrote a song called God of Wonders that Chris Tomlin was doing on lot, on uh, radio that was blowing up. And he was an amazing guy. Mark really kind of took me under his wing. I learned a lot from him. And we did this little demo. And he produced this demo of like these four songs we wrote together. One of them was called Beautiful Lord. Mm-hmm. And that song made its way around to an A&R guy at, at Providence Sony. And I was at GMA Week the following year with Kent. And Kent was just taking me around. GMA week just introduced me to everybody and everyone had flat ironed hair and, and, you know, (laughs) skinny jeans and Chuck Taylors. And like, that was the thing. And it was just like, but it was awesome. You know, I was there in Nashville and, and, um, at one of those exhibit halls and, and I'm, I had a lunch with a guy named Robert Beeson, who was an A&R guy at, at, at Provident. And he just said, Hey, we would love to, you know, talk about, do you want to be an artist? Do you want to, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I wouldn't want to do anything alone. So we've got this band back at home. <laughs> I'm sure wow, they heard it a lot. And I was like, all my cousins, like my cousins in the band, my brother's in the band. And and he was like, well, we'd love to come hear him, which is crazy. They yeah. they flew, you know, like six A&R people from Providence flew down to ba- to Houston. My mom picked them up at the airport, you know, wow, wow. had them laughing all the way to Baytown, <laughs> telling them crazy. <laughs> to church. the funeral home. Yeah, telling them to the funeral home. <laughs> And we we brought them to in Baytown, you know, and, and they got them a hotel that night in Baytown. When you drive in in Baytown at night, it it's all these lights, but it's from the chemical plants. I mean, there's like Exxon chemical plants. It looks like it looks like what's the planet in Star Wars with all the clouds and the things coming out? It looks like that planet. And so. Uh, you know, they're driving in. They're like, oh, this is so pretty. And mom's like, yeah, it's Houston. It's really pretty. <laughs> so, this needs to be a movie. This needs to be a movie. All the lights, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so that next day we were playing at this, there's like this Christian coffee house that some friends of ours had started. It's like a venue and coffee house called, uh, man, what was it called? Oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Anyways, we were playing there. We play there every Saturday night for all of for like our friends, and we just try out new songs, you know. <laughs> and it's like low ceiling, you know, like small platform, you know, speakers on. It's just deathly loud, you know. And there's no sound control, but it was just you know dark. And so they come in and they they watch us play, and we play like I think like seven songs, and it was just 
it was the weirdest thing because Kent was there and, and we're all kind of a bunch of cut ups too. So he was having us like do funny things and it was the weirdest thing, but we did eventually play music and, um, you know, I don't know how it went, but they connected with it somehow. And they said, Hey, like, we'd love to sign you guys to a deal. And that's kind of how it started. And so wow. when we got on the road and we did our first tour, which was with casting crowns, they're on the same label and we, we opened up for them on their, on the road. Um, I was, I think 17, wow, 17 wow. and I was the baby in the band and the rest oh. of the guys were, were older, but still we're all kids. We're all like, yeah. I think Mike was the oldest and he was like 20, you know, yeah. <laughs> so we were all a bunch of kids. And, but my mom, uh, was like our road manager for our first tour. Yeah. And she was like, she was like, y'all ain't going out on the road on your own. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> and, and, and the, the crazy thing. And my dad drove the bus, you know. That's crazy. Yeah. What a cool story. Well, and, and Leland, you, you, um, you know, you've talked about cousins. Your cousin is really big in country music. Yes, yes. So her name is Ray Lynn. And that's her artist name, Ray Lynn, but her, her first name is Rachel and uh, middle name is Lynn. And so she, um, so basically all of our cousins are like our siblings, basically. So her, her mom and our mom are, are sisters. And, um, but basically they, they, we all pretty much grew up in the same, there was a while we almost lived, literally lived in the same house. So my aunt has five kids. One of those, so Rachel's older brother, Jake is my age and he was in our band playing bass. Yeah. So his little sister, Rachel, when she was like 16, 17, moved, uh, did the voice and got on the voice like season six yeah. and then moved to LA and did acting and music and then made her way to Nashville. She's been doing country music now for quite a while. Yeah. It, she's an amazing singer. I got to see her here in town. I think Mike, uh, who was your drummer, was drumming yes. for her for a bit. Yes. And uh, just incredible. Chuck, this family is incredible. In fact, just real quick, tell us about the three uh, three ships we yeah, yeah. Um, because th this is incredible i'll i'll play a little bit um uh for you guys uh when i edit this i'll put this in in leland but yeah. you guys so let, let's let's go on a, a bit of a, a trail here so um your brother jack yes, yes who is jack. also very famous yes on instagram as brother terry <laughs> okay so if you so a little backstory on this if you've if you have grown up in church yes. the, if you've grown up in the kind of church where you are where you are very familiar with handling dry ice <laughs> then you need to follow this instagram right now yeah. oh man it's bro, it's at bro terry website so b-r-o-t-e-r-r-y website and follow that it'll change your life so basically on the road my older brother jack when we, were, when we were on the road with the band in the early days after that tour with casting crowns we did a whole summer of christian festivals and you know this is like the era of the christian festival so like the early 2000s there were so many and they were all a lot of a lot of them are going on so we literally played all of them in one summer and so we made a road trip out of it in our van and trailer we did that whole thing wow. you know eating twinkies and mcdonald's and like you know you don't get good sleep you're just kind of shaking in a, in a van bench you know you're just <laughs> unconscious shaking so you're not sleeping and so you do that for three months throughout a whole summer and so we did that 
Well, you know, you're doing these long drives, social media wasn't really a thing, YouTube wasn't really a thing. So you're just kind of like trying to find ways to entertain yourself. And so you're coming up with all kinds of characters and these some of the best, I, I've never cried laughing as hard as I did during those that trip. It just you'd laugh so hard at night just to keep from going to sleep, you know, yeah. while you're operating a, a vehicle. And so <laughs> my brother, uh, because of the kind of church we grew up in, the funny part of the, we, we grew up in a very spirit-filled, and we, we're thankful for it, but we grew up in a very spirit-filled Pentecostal AOG kind of upbringing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, shofars, flags, the whole thing. So, <laughs> you know, uh, and so we, we grew up in that. And so there were about two or three kind of like preacher characters that we kind of were grouped around that were, their personalities, really. They're yeah. really great yeah. people around. And, and so Jack kind of made an amalgamation of those three and turned him into a character called Brother Terry. Oh. And he'll just change your life. It's, it's amazing. brilliant. Just, just whatever, you, whatever yeah. you're doing now, just go onto Instagram and just find it because it, and again, you, I think you have got to be in that world to really appreciate it. But when, when you, you like it, but it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, he's hitting on things when like some of the top uh, Christian worship artists yeah, and yeah. preachers are, are quoting lines in his, in the, in the descriptions because he is right off. Well, you, you know, what's so funny about that? about this is I have followed for some time. Andy, you're the one who turned me on to Brother Terry, right? Yeah. I didn't realize you guys are brothers until this morning, <laughs> right? Now, I, I grew up in the same kind of background, Pentecostal, you know, spirit-filled, um, loved it. I used to work for a guy named Eastman Curtis. I don't know if you, you wow. travel the country with him. And one of my um, good friends is Blaine Bartell oh, yeah. <laughs> from Fire by Night. <laughs> they yeah. took a clip. Your, your brother took a clip of that on one of his... <laughs> I was crying. I was crying. Oh, man. and you know we had Blaine on the show, on the um, podcast, yeah. yeah, on the podcast just a few few months back. But he did this after this, so we're you like, guys, oh, you guys yeah, need to have so Brother good. Terry come on and do oh. an entire episode. Oh, yeah, you yeah. you may need to uh, help us get to his uh, agent to be able to get him on. I can. I, I'll have. I have some people that know his people. Okay, so. that's good. That's good. Well, Leland, let's let's. I know our time's going, but I I do, yeah, especially yeah. with it lead, leading up to Easter, um, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted to talk about what you're doing now. Yes. Um, and also, um, you know, a lot of churches will be um, this weekend doing Lion and the Lamb, the song Lion and the Lamb um, yeah. in their service, because you wrote a song that really um, not only worships God, you know, people can worship God, but it paints this amazing picture of the lion and the lamb. So can you talk a little bit about yeah. that? And then we'll, we'll talk about what you're doing as well now. Totally. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So that song, um, it's, you know, over the course of the years um, that we've been doing music and making albums and that I've been songwriting, um, man, the last, seriously, the last eight, 17 years, 17, 18 years of really trying to write songs. Um, there have been these moments along the way, you know, you do your best to steward all the gradually moments, you know, getting better at your instrument, co-writing a lot with people, um, you know, trying to put good things into all of your gates, you know, your eyes, your ears, yeah. what you say, because all that sort of feeds into your imagination, which is really important. And you're trying to 
do your best to cultivate all those things and be a good steward of all that. Um, so that when suddenly moments come along, because there's gradualies and suddenlies, and when the suddenlies come along, the inspirational moments, you want to be able to have something that you can draw off of. Yeah. And um, so that's why I think it's it's important to, to co-write. It's important to do all those things, to be good. So you can't neglect that, um, to get better at those crafting things. But then it's it's also important to cultivate and your relationship with God, your intimacy with God, and also putting in really good things that that um, elevate, you know, good, true, and beautiful that are pure things that help purify your imagination. And so over the years, but then there's still these suddenly moments that happen where it's just like a, a window opens up and just something just drops in your lap and you feel like you're just sort of like a funnel or like a song happens to you. And it's kind of like, I didn't feel like I even wrote that. It's just kind of happened to me. And this is definitely one of those moments, you know, and, uh, we were in Dinuba, California, and this is in 2000, 2000 into 14. At the end of 2014, we had been in an, an independent band for a year. At that point, we were dropped from our label in 2013 and 20 uh for 2013 through 2014 we were independent we did an ep with our band but we were still trying to tour it was just getting really really hard and i think you know there's a grace that comes on each season of your life and we definitely felt that kind of grace lifting off of this is the original leland band like mike uh, jack myself uh, jake our bass player was all four of us together and we just kind of felt like the hand of god just kind of going not that god was taking off favor but just that god was i think pushing us into newer seasons individually and um you know we had talked about it a lot with the band we're like what's everybody going to do i think you know mike was gonna was going to play with my cousin ray and be a part of her band and help lead stuff there um i was still undecided i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do i said maybe i'll go home and like work at a chemical plant like i I don't know like seriously i mean just it was real conversations we were having my brother felt a call to God to go plant or, or to go help help pastor a church that already existed in, in uh, Franklin called New River. And um, so we were just all in the season. And it was kind of like bittersweet, you know, because we had like these two or three events left in the calendar for 2014. And then 2015, we were going to all, you know, part ways and do our thing. And so at the end of 2014, one of the last things was Dinuba, California. It's in the valley there, uh, small town. It's actually really close to McFarland. If you ever saw that movie, McFarland, the Disney movie, yeah. uh, with Kevin Costner, that story, it's it looks a lot like McFarland's. It's very much that uh, aesthetic and, and feel. So some friends of ours are pastors there, and um, they have an amazing church there, um, family church. And so we go there to, they just said, hey, look, our youth group is re- has been really experiencing a move of God of prayer and repentance. And they said, we don't really know what to, you know, we know what to to we want people to come and encourage it because it's supernatural like and we we're like well tell us what happened so well the kids just uh, a remnant of the kids in the youth group started fasting and praying it kind of spread across the whole youth group like north of 100 kids and it got to a point it's gotten to a point now where the kids will on a school night will 10 or 20 of them will call the pastor and say can you open up the doors of the church so we can go in and pray Wow. I mean, these are 16, 17 year old kids, high school age that are just on fire for the Lord. They just say, can you just come in and breathe into all that and lead them in worship, preach, do whatever you guys want to do. So 
we go to this event and I'm actually a bit depressed because I'm like, you know, I can't stop thinking about, I mean, all I've ever done was ministry with my family from the time I was a kid to the band, you know, the, all the guys at this point, we're all like family. So, um, so I didn't know what, I was kind of depressed. I was like, God, you're just gonna have to like do something with this. Cause I don't know how I'm going to minister to anybody this weekend. Yeah. So we get there and God shows up and it's just like, you know, over the course of time, if you're a worship leader or, or you travel or you minister enough, or you'll notice that, you know, your, your heart might not change night to night and the set list might not even change night to night, but the atmospheres can change. And that a lot of that is contingent, um, upon the people in the room. It doesn't mean that you're not responsible or shouldn't feel, uh, somewhat responsible as a leader, uh, to steward the things that you need to steward, which is like, you know, your own heart, your relationship with God, make sure that things are good there. They are staying in the word of God, that you are uh, meditating on the word of God, that you're in God's presence, that you're, you have a secret alone time with the Lord, that you worship with God privately. Uh, you have a secret history with God that nobody knows about. You got to do all those things. Yeah. But even still, the atmosphere in a room is, is strongly dictated by the people in the room. And the hunt, uh, better put would be the hunger in the room, the, hung, the spiritual hunger or thirst in the room. And it's almost like they pull on God and put and change the atmosphere. And so that's from day one is what that was like, because it was a hundred high school kids that were just all already experiencing revival. And so we start singing and it's just like, you can sing anything and the room just opens up. Wow. And so that was like, we started on like a Friday morning. We went to Friday morning, uh, Friday night. We did Saturday morning and on by Saturday night, at this point, it was almost a lot of the town was there. It was wow. like it, had, it was growing by leaps and bounds. At that point, I think it was like 800 people in the room. Wow. And that all the kids' parents had come and their siblings had come. And so this is Saturday night's last night. And my brother had been preaching and prophesying. And he's actually, he really does have an incredible prophetic gifting on his life. And so he would just line people up and prophesy a prayer over them. And we would just flow with worship and then go back into preaching a little bit. It was just kind of an ebb and flow. It was was awesome. The Holy Spirit was just moving. And um, near the end of that night, there was there was this moment where we pressed into worship. And this is actually it's it's sad that it's only happened so few times. Um, but it's but it's amazing when it's when it happens. It's almost like you can get into a, a flow or a rhythm or um, in in worship with corporately with a group of people. And you guys have probably experienced this before where it seems like almost everyone in the room, no one is there for you mm-hmm. and no one is there for a preacher, a person. Everyone is there desperately pursuing the Lord at the same time. And it's, it's almost like everybody's face, like the face of their heart, you could almost feel it's just turned directly to the Lord. Yeah. And so in that moment, it was like we could sing anything. You could sing holy. And I think we did. We sang holy. We sang worthy. We were just singing, it was just newer melodies just that were just kind of flowing. And then we would sing, I think we sang Worthy. I think it all kind of came out of the song Agnes Day. We were singing that song and then we went into other things. And it got to a point where we were just singing oh and ah and people were repeating it. It was crazy. I've never encountered this before in my life. Wow. And near the end of it, I'm a crier. When God touches me, like I lose my voice. I, you know, it's it's a mess. So... <laughs> I was able to hold back most of the weekend and I feel like it was God kind of helping. Cause when I cry, I, I can't sing 
And so, so, but in that moment it was done, you know, and I'm, so I'm, I'm laying on the ground and I think I was lying down and most of us are kneeling or lying and Jack was playing keys and, and, uh, then Jack, I heard the key stop. Jack gets up and he just says, Hey bub, can you go play piano for a little bit? I want to share some things. So I go to the piano and Jack's kind of sharing some things that are on his heart. And while I'm there at the piano, I just start playing these chords, you know, in the key of B, I think. And then I just, it was so wild that the whole chorus just dropped right there in that moment. Wow. And his voice is, oh, God is lion, the lion of Judah. He's, and the whole thing, and I'm just like weeping, wow. you know, no voice. I remember just kind of croaking it into my voice memos right there in the moment while Jack's preaching just, you know, on the side. <laughs> And, uh, wow. yeah, fast forward, uh, the next year I tried writing it with a couple of writers didn't work out, you know, and I just, I kept pressing into the song and knew that there was something there. And about a year later, um, I was in a writing retreat with a bunch of writers and it was kind of a, you know, super professional kind of organized thing, but it was awesome. I'm glad they did that because me and my buddy Britton, uh, Brown were able to connect there at that writing retreat. Yeah. And, um, he said, Hey, do you have any songs? And played in this idea and it was in the same way the chorus came a whole new melody whole new chord progression and lyric he just said what if the verse is like he's coming on the clouds something something will bow down and every chain will break it's broken off he just the whole thing like just fell out of him tumbled out of him and then then god god is like and i was just like man this is just like the lord's breathing on this and uh yeah a few months later we tried it out in the road with the band and 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 it was like people grabbed it immediately to steward those giftings mm-hmm. along. You need to, you need to co-write, you need to, uh, you know, cultivate your imagination, do all the, the things that you can on your end yeah. um, and create a history with God and, and pray and pursue the Lord. Uh, because then at a certain point, God can entrust you with more suddenly moments yeah. because you've been faithful through all of the gradually things. And, and um, I definitely feel like the song Waymaker was, uh, is uh, a song like that for a season. And I think that that song, sort of how we stumbled on that, my mom uh, is constantly showing us new music. And I was over at the house one day a few years ago and she was on Facebook and she said, check out this Facebook video. And it was of this church in uh, Louisiana, Alexandria called the Pentecostals of Alexandria. And it's on YouTube. It's like an 11 minute version of Waymaker. They just go in. It's awesome. Wow. And they're singing the song and I'd never heard this song before. And I'm just, I'm immediately, I'm like, oh my gosh, this song is anointed. And you just feel it. Yeah. And I've heard that Sinatra wrote it. I listened to Sinatra singing the same thing. 
and uh, we we went out on the road. That I think it was like a it was like a two or three week trip we did. It was a long trip to Europe, and we played mainly across the UK. And um, everywhere we went, we we played the song, yeah. and just because we loved it. Yeah. And no matter what denomination we were in, no matter what mm. theological system was at was at work in the room, it didn't matter. Like yeah. everyone grabbed to the song, and so I think that's a that's um, you know that's a good uh, tell sign of a of a heaven song is that most people most Christians can gravitate to it, and even non-believers just gravitate to the song. So we uh, when we, we knew from that moment that when we would do our live record that we that would be one of the songs that we would cover would be that song and we actually wanted to have Sinatra on the record but we weren't able to make it happen because uh, of travel visa stuff but um but yeah she's an amazing amazing woman of god i think that song had already been around for about around four or five years so wow. that song was I, about a, a I six was in, song. Yeah, yeah i was in the uk uh about a year and a half or two years before Better Word came out, which is where really you introduced it to America. There wasn't many people singing it, but in the, in the UK and Europe, they have yeah. been singing that for a good two all or three years. All over the place, yes. Yeah. When I saw you had brought that on, uh, your live album "Better Word" is it is one it, of the best yes. live albums. I was going to say it's 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 one of my it's at the very top of my all time favorite worship albums. Come on, man. It yeah. is so on good. repeat always. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, the the you know the first first song in habit when uh, when them drums kick in and you're like, on, oh man. man, we're going somewhere with this. So good. Well, you know that that atmosphere that night was amazing. We we. We had always it had always been a dream of ours to do a live album uh, that was you know fully produced and and a little more thought through. We did the live EP in 2014. That was awesome in a house. But we wanted to do something bigger with more voices and and uh, more like the things that we would do on the road and that and which was for the last 15 years. You know, so we wanted to capture that and that was always been a dream of ours. But it's it's a big large undertaking. You know, doing a live album even even though it's easier these days with technology, it's still a big deal and. Um, our label was like, where would you want to do it? And at that time, I'd been, we'd been doing, and I'd had a pretty good relationship with CFNI, Christ of the Nations Institute, and I've been going there for the past couple of years, teaching and leading, and it's one of the few places, actually, I think, in the country that has 
the amount of nat- international diversity in one room. Yeah. Hmm. So literally you'll uh, I almost been, went there. Yeah. I almost crazy. went there. Yeah. Well, I would encourage almost every believer at some point if you can to it's worth a trip visiting their um just any of their chapel services that they have. Um, because what's really powerful about it is that at at random moments throughout the chapel service, because there's so much international diversity in the, in the amongst the people in the room in the crowd, they'll just say, "Hey, right now, why don't you lift up your own song to God in your native language?" Wow. And I was in one of those chapel services once. It was when the flood came to Houston. We just went up there, and they said, "Hey, can you just lift up a song in your own language?" And dude, it was the craziest thing. There was somebody singing in Portuguese in front of me because I knew it was Portuguese. We've been to Brazil a lot. Or somebody singing in Spanish behind me. Someone left of me singing in some kind of, I think it might have been like Vietnamese or Eastern Asian language. Someone next to me singing in in an African tongue. And dude, it was crazy. I was just going like, if there's anything that's as close to what it looks going to look like, every nation, every tribe, every tongue before the throne Mm. of God. Um, And it says every tongue, dude, in in heaven, like every language. I just think we're going to be able to understand everybody. I think we're going to be speaking our own languages. But it's really wild and i've never been in a worship experience like that in a crowd where that happened and i almost i was was breathtaking so and from that moment forward i was like you know if we ever do a live album i want to do it in that room because there's something on that room you know and there's i mean great people like uh, Catherine Coleman have been in that room yeah. preaching that same room like and so it carries a or something in the walls there and so we were just like we got to go there and so it was worth all the all the priests uh, worked to make it happen. There was a big team that did that, and it was it was awesome. I, I want to do something like that again, but it was it was powerful. It was a great night, and also it's really cool. This is a side note. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great side note. Uh, it, so me and my wife, we 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 went through a, a long span of, of infertility and, and wanting to be parents, and it's like a span of over you know six years. And God led us through this story of adoption. Wow. And uh, which is really powerful, and and uh, it just the Lord just led us through the whole thing, and uh, there's a long story behind it. But uh, that night, our daughter, our baby girl Journey, was in the room, and um, what's wild is there's a song uh, or a kind of a flow moment called Gold, and in that moment, I think it was after Where You Are on the record, um, if you turn to that pretty loud. There's a moment where while we're just playing, you can hear a baby go, whoa, like this. Oh, man. And it was Journey, dude. And oh, so there's a song man. that about healing wounds uh, with, his, with, with the treasure of his love. And so uh, that was wild. I didn't know that that happened live. And then I listened back and heard that we captured it. So it's pretty cool. I have that for the rest of my life. Our daughter's on yes. an album. So man. it's pretty cool, man. So uh, that's a special moment yeah thank you guys for the encouragement that really means a lot and we want to we want to do more in the future so yeah man that is so good we really appreciate you taking the time to to, to yeah. share your story and we're going to ask you to, to pray in just a moment for for people who are listening whether it's pastor lay leader uh, individuals who they need a breakthrough and they're believing yeah. that they're believing what they're singing and what um what you have led and worship the Jesus. He really is the way maker. He makes a way where there's no way. Um, and before, so before we have you pray, I just have one, one question you can answer. Um, I mean, we live by faith, not our feelings, of course. And I, I just love your story and your upbringing and your emphasis on the, on the presence of God. And there seems to be a lot of people in ministry today 
for a number of different reasons that have, have been jaded. And some people have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Let me ask you this. Um, how important is it for the local church to feel, even though we don't live by feelings, we live by faith, but how important is it for the local church to feel and experience the presence of God in our services? Yes, I think, um, well, I think it's, it's, there's something tangible about the love of God. You know, I, I, love in itself is, it's not just a commitment, but it's also a relationship, it's also emotional. You know, I, I imagine being married to someone that you don't have any kind of tangible experience with or any kind of emotional experience with as be married to a robot you know just wouldn't work mm-hmm. and and this marriage that we have with jesus um as as the bride of christ is is not only uh a knowing it is a knowing i think god does want to ground a knowing deeper than our feeling but the amazing thing is that feelings should follow faith mm-hmm. so where we might start with faith and and, and this is my starting point is always faith nine times out of ten you don't feel like getting up and reading your bible or praying you know because everything everything that we face in our life is you know combating us when we stand up to worship we go to pray or we go to pursue god alone um we're, we're three parts we're spirit soul and body and our body and our soul are being sanctified into the image of christ spirit's been made perfect uh, by the by, the love of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, and so we're in perfect union in our spirit. But our our soul and our body, they're you know they're fighting all sorts of things every single day uh, to demand our attention and our time. And so I would say that you know God wants us to encounter Him, and that we should worship by faith. But even that faith is not blind faith. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen, and that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God that through the the great and precious promises of God, we become partakers of the divine nature of God. So all of my faith in Jesus is actually built on the promises that are already given to me in Christ. So it's not blind faith, it's not a hope it's gonna work out. It's no, this is what your word has said, this is what, and these, these are actually all, are already yes and amen in Christ. But right now I'm gonna lift up an amen. amen. And amen just means I believe, I agree, right? So when we're worshiping God in those moments, um, the reason it feels like faith at the beginning, and it feels a little bit like pressing in, is because it is, you are agreeing with the Word of God despite what you feel and see in the natural. Now here's the awesome part, is that as you do that by faith, you're not putting on a mask, and I think sometimes the emotional health movement has damaged this one part of our faith it's 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 it can tend to uh, maybe pull away from the act of worshiping by faith and so we can tend to think that we're lying to ourselves or putting on a mask or whatever we're doing but really you're not you're just worshiping by faith you're just saying you know i choose not to live by how i feel right in this moment i'm i'm not i'm not sweeping these feelings under a rug i'm not not addressing this issue i'm actually going to bring it to jesus right now i'm going to bring this problem that i'm facing in my family or my body i'm going to bring it to him the king right now i'm I'm not going to leave it under a rug i'm not going to sweep these emotions under a rug either i'm going to bring these emotions to jesus right now and and as i'm bringing to him i'm going to also choose i'm going to make a faith choice to worship 
based on what God's word is saying about my life, my family, my body, my city, the promises of God for, for me in Christ Jesus that are yes. And then I'm going to start lifting up an amen, which is just, I'm just going to agree. I'm just going to agree. I'm going to that through song, through my words. I'm just going to begin to agree with God right now. And then as you agree, the Holy Spirit begins to breathe on that agreement because God can agree with himself. The Holy Spirit begins to flow through and out of you. And eventually your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions begin to be sanctified and feelings begin to follow. And what's awesome, because God wants us to feel him. I mean, all throughout the Bible, all throughout the word of God, Old Testament to New, men and women are encountering God. And those encounters are leaving them marked for the rest of their life. So the God that we follow is a God of encounters. But I think the, this is the part that maybe sometimes that I've noticed in, I guess, in the more Pentecostal spirit-filled traditions that I come from, we can tend to miss out on this part. And I think what that is, is that the encounters with the love of God, are, are, they aren't the high point. They're, they're not the end goal. The end goal is always knowing God so that we can be transformed into his image which is love. Yeah. So anytime I encounter the presence of God, there was one time I was in an amazing service and the spirit of God just fell heavy. And I remember just feeling, it was just one of those where you just feel the Holy Spirit, just tangible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm weeping and I just felt the Holy Spirit kind of sort of whispered in my heart and say, you know why you're feeling this right now? And I was like, why? He said, well, he reminded me of the parable of the different seeds of the, of the kingdom that fall on different types of ground and he said there's the path that the bird steals it from there's a rock that sprouts up and has no root and dies because of challenge and then there's the thorns that it gets choked out by the cares of life but then there's the seed that falls on good ground and it bears fruit with patience 20 40 60 100 fold and the lord said that in these moments when we feel god what's happening is the holy spirit is tilling or breaking up the ground in our heart so that we can actually become good soil again that mm. the old school Pentecostals called it praying through yeah. right <laughs> and that's but that's what that is is you're yeah. praying through or pressing in or praying through all just the junk just the stuff I mean it and it's and a lot of it is we we don't kn know that we're even doing it it's just the spirit of the age is the stuff that we're dealing with and our soul and our in our body are always going to fight those things it's not that we can't grow from glory to glory and faith to faith it's not that we can't draw become more like jesus we can but that's it's that but that's also why it's the good fight it is a fight but it's a good fight of faith because it's it's already won so that's so the holy spirit began to say this is just step one step one is feeling me and encountering me and knowing me Right. And and but then there's a step two, which is which is in that place, in that atmosphere. Allow me to begin to write my word on your heart. Meditate on the word of God with the Holy Spirit, which is where you just take one one passage of Scripture, one promise from God that combats the lie that you're fighting right now. And you begin to take that promise with the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. And you just begin to say you know make it make it a conversation with god put it in your own words write it sing it think on it and allow the holy spirit in those atmospheres where you feel him where you feel something tangible happening uh to begin to write something on the tablet of your heart which changes then your whole life changes the way you think it changes the way you act 
changes everything. So that would be the big thing that, that, that I would add. And I think there are so many beautiful parts of different movements in the body of Christ, like the more liturgical movements. They understand the power of the Word of God and the power of it meditating, almost rhythmically meditating on the Word of God. And then I think in our more Pentecostal traditions or our more what we call spirit-filled traditions, we we definitely hold up and cherish the encounter. Right. Both are so important. And sure. when you bring them together, or else what happens with encounters is that you live from encounter to encounter to encounter. And there's kind of no actual long-lasting transformation or change, which is what God wants for all of us. Uh, but in, in the other, it can become stale. And so you need both. And, and the Holy Spirit begins to bring truth, which changes your whole life. And so that'd be my big encouragement to leaders watching today. I would say too, you, you mentioned um, a, a jaded spirit or, or even nihilism or, or kind of a an, an anger or, or resentment. I would say that the biggest thing that comes against that is, is offense mm. and, and allowing the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, he who's forgiven much loves much. And I think we tend to underestimate forgiveness and when we when we understand how much Jesus has really Amen. forgiven us, yeah. how That's much good. the love of God has really set us free from, then it actually becomes a joy to forgive our enemies and and actually love and pray for and bless our enemies. And I think as pastors and leaders, if we would take Jesus seriously at that and actually begin to bless and, and pray for the people who have actually done us wrong, that we were we were in the right and they were wrong. Take those people and begin to actively pray for them, choose to pray for them, bless them, and and even if that means send an offering to them, like I'm serious, bless yeah. people, pray yeah. for them, write a letter to them, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to create a childlike heart in you again so that it's not this jaded, condescending mentality, yeah. sarcastic mentality, but it's this, it becomes a childlike uh, hopefulness that you can have again even in ministry and even with people and you begin to see people for who God's created them to be. So wow, that's good. <laughs> Leland, that's thank good. you yes. for just, this just so unloading so that on, on people because, uh, it's so real. Uh, you know, there's so many forms of worship. Yeah. Um, getting it back to why we worship. Yes. The love for God, the love, uh, for just trying to get close to him and know him more and more and through through worship and, and you mentioned it earlier about different nations when we get to heaven it's going to be an amazing sound uh, because we get to worship uh jesus uh, yeah it's, it's it's incredible i, I know um, there are people that are listening today that may have gone through some of the stuff that you just talked about and trying to work through um, and even may find it hard to worship because of things yes. that have gone on. Could yes. you just pray into that for yeah. us and for the people that are listening? I just, I, we come together, Jesus, right now, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that for anyone who's watching, um, who's encountered uh, trauma or pain or uh, offense, um, Jesus, it says, for the joy before you, the joy set before you, you endured the cross and despised its shame. Jesus, on the cross, you said, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. Lord, I thank you that um, hurt hurt people hurt people. So, God, we just lift that up to you now. We lift up every person that has ever um, hurt us, God, in ministry, and life. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to reveal to us today 
your plan and purpose for that for those people um god that you begin to reveal to us that if, if someone is an empty cup then they have nothing to give and if something is someone's empty and hurting then, then their retaliation is always going to be hurt so god i just pray holy spirit that we begin to rise above that yeah yes, so we begin to rise above hurt rise above the self-life jesus that we wouldn't be so preoccupied preoccupied with us and our how we're taking things and things being done to us jesus you said that not to deny sin or deny the devil but to deny ourself take up our cross and follow you jesus dead people don't get offended so god i just pray holy spirit today that you would by your grace allow us to die to our old life to die to even our rights jesus that your love is is the only thing that we owe people and that no man owes us anything jesus today you've given us christ has given us all things god help us believe that today you've given us everything that we'll ever need and want so that we could actually become your love to people around us today and set us free jesus from living for ourselves in jesus mighty name amen 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 leland thank you that was awesome now we normally would uh you know most podcasts would end right here with prayer but we always ask the big three okay the three questions so chuck's gonna start with with the first question all right here we go question number one leland if you were to publish a book about your life what would it be called what would the title be planes trains and majestic praise Whoa. <laughs> yes. that is, you need to write that Majestic yeah. Praise. Majestic Praise that is, is good stuff. Our, the name of our family band was Majestic Praise. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> That's so good. Okay, I've got one, and I, and, and I just changed this um, because, and the reason why I'm going to change this this question, right? Um, you have just collaborated with Gas Street yes. uh, in Birmingham, which we had Tim Hughes, who's the pastor there. Yeah, he's um, awesome. Did you do that during quarantine? No, uh, no. W- well, yes and no. So that that actually that vocal happened. I recorded that vocal at a writing retreat before all of the COVID stuff happened. Oh, wow. This would have been like, gosh, I mean, uh, 2019, fall of 2019 wow. at a writing retreat. And, I, and then they sent it over and they're like, hey, can you do it? Do a do a legitimate vocal for it? And I tried it. I was like, guys, I don't know what it was, but I was singing great that day, and it ain't happening today. I was like, keep that original vocal. I ain't going to beat that. So they were just like, we'll, we'll spruce it up. And so they used it. But that's the vocal that we actually recorded in a wow. random room at a writing retreat with it, with their whole team. They invited us to write with Gat, with the whole Gas Street crew, and it was in Birmingham. It was yeah. amazing. It, yeah. Well, here's, here's my question. Who would you love to collaborate with that you haven't already? Oh my gosh! Still to this day, it would be Martin Smith. I haven't. I have. Uh, I want to. I want to like sit down and write a whole EP with Martin Smith. That would be a dream come true. Come and on, just, we, we can we can hook yeah. that up. Can't yeah. we? We can. That should be a podcast. A lot, <laughs> I want to do a live in studio uh, EP with Martin Smith. That would oh, change my. life. That'd be amazing. Okay, last question. All right, last question. Um, all right. Other than your guitar, is there any other item that you must have on stage with you when you perform or lead worship oh my goodness um it's actually coffee now i i am i am a uh i am 
I'm, this is the most hipster thing about me. I am <laughs> extremely into very bougie coffee that you have no business uh, getting into. Like I, I, it's it was the worst thing ever. But I'm I'm super into third third wave coffee is what it's called. Wow, and I'm really into it. So now wow. it's it's actually it's bad. It's the la- I need to give this thing to Jesus. It's the last <laughs> thing I need to give over to Jesus. Um, <laughs> But I'm, uh, you know, seriously, but I, I, anytime, wherever we go, I'm always on Yelp looking for the nearest, nicest. And I can tell by the pictures if it's going to be good coffee or not. All right. <laughs> wow. Yes. Well, then, my kind of people. We've got those big pump syrups in the back. Run. Yeah. No. no. Run. Yeah. They, they've got to be crushing it and, and making the syrup. The, and, the cat poop coffee. Yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> I've got it here, guys. I don't oh, want to go with that. All right. That. So, um, Leland. Um, again, thank you for being with us today. But how can people connect with you from today? What's the totally. best way to do it? And, and yes, so uh, social media is amazing. We do a lot of announcements there. So um, uh, my personal Instagram is at Leland Mooring. And so any of the things that I'm personally involved in, um, there is a, and a couple of couple of things I'll mention really quickly. Yeah. If you're in the Houston area or around Houston at all, once a month, we have a gathering for artists and creatives, people who work nine to five jobs, but their passion is something artistic. Um, and so the most of them are believers that come and meet in Baytown here at my parents' church. It's called Our Cathedra. And so if you go to Instagram at Our Cathedra, that's a, a movement that we've started that uh, we gather once a month and we're finding unique ways to activate and release um, artists in the church. I think it's going to be important for the next hundred years in the body of Christ. And so that's Absolutely. I'm really yeah. passionate about. Um, the other uh, would be a thing called Three Ships, which uh, Andy mentioned earlier. Uh, it's at th- the the word three and then S-H-I-P-P-S. It's our, my mom's maiden name is Ship. Oh. And so, um, yeah, so basically we, uh, it's so cool. three part harmony, me and my brother and sister, we sing, uh, it's kind of Americana, country and so we've got uh, a seven song ep that's going to be coming out i think in the hopefully by may early may right. is the goal to release that and so we'll be doing that very soon and then obviously our band is leland official on instagram at leland official and we are in the middle of working on new music right now so just stay tuned yeah that's awesome well leland thank you again for being with us today on revival thank town podcast thank you. we we have had such uh, a blast just catching up getting getting to hear some amazing stories and uh you never know one of these days i'll try and convince him to come to the other side of manchester to be a manchester united fan hey, oh, man, I, just, game, bro. I, I just wear my city shirt underneath the united shirt so. oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well leland thank you yeah, so thank much you. for being on revival town podcast today awesome. thank you guys Barry White over there. I just do the same thing every time. I know it's great. I just can't help but just kind of, you know, I'm hoping that Barry White groove on. I'm hoping that people who are listening, when they hear that music, they do it as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come on, guys are my my people. Yeah, and 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 you can do this with me because I didn't I didn't tell you this, but you know, this rewind episode is being released today, October. 11th do you know what tomorrow is this is a little bit of i'm flipping the tate and mate tables i know we're getting you're going to give me a british word but do you know 
what tomorrow is. So that would be October 12th. Yeah. That'd be my 25th wedding anniversary. Your 25th wedding anniversary. Yes. There we go. There we and go. my birthday. It is? Yes. I did not know Check that. Check that. You guys got married. Um, happy birthday, Chuck. Oh. Here's Andy and Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> happy oh. anniversary, because my, my 25th is next week. Yeah, 17th, right? 17th? 19th. 19th. 19th, yep. A week from tomorrow. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. We have so much in common. Yeah, so so crazy. Well, uh, that was pretty good with Leland. It was. He's a great guy. I really love just how down to earth he was, how fun he was. And it just, he gave us, just, he's such a busy guy and he gave us a lot of time. Yeah, just he really did. Really, really good stuff. And Thank you know, you we, we were talking about this. We felt it was a good time to do uh, this episode again. Just because last week uh, the uh, new movie came out, Jesus Music Movie. Yes. And uh, incredible movie that's out. Amy Grant is Amy on Grant, it. Who Marketed was, with yeah. Smith. I mean, you Striper. name Striper. Man, yeah, man, Michael Sweet's on there. Come yeah. on, you, gonna, you name them. We're going to get him on here. I'm telling yeah. you, we get someone from Striper. That'd be great. Yeah, That'd yeah, be great. Yeah. But yeah, so this movie has come out, and it's really the the story of Christian music um, and how it really exploded on the scenes. It goes really behind the scenes, and so. Uh, if you're in, in the U.S., I'm not sure if it's out in other countries yet, but if you're in the U.S., definitely go and check it out. Check out the trailer online and then go and see it. But uh, Yeah, select theaters nationwide. Yeah. Um, Jesus music. And we thought Leland, hey, he's a musician. Yeah, Let's Come on. Put him on. Let's do it. You know, And he is, what, isn't he married to Michael W. Smith's daughter? Yeah. No, or... No, that's Jack. Oh, 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 that's right. That's his brother, Jack. Brother, or, uh, who I can't get enough of on Instagram. He turned me on to Brother Terry. Brother Terry. Oh, man. Uh, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. We got to get him on. We are. Yeah, yeah. All, All right. right. Uh, but you know what's next, don't you? Oh, that's right. Tate and his mate. Let's do this. I, I, I botched it last week. So let's see if uh, I can do it this week. Well, this is where I challenge Chuck Tate uh, with an English word, phrase, slang, Today, I think I've got another one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hang on. I'm, I'm pulling up the British website. Hey, I'm kidding. Hey, I'm kidding. Hey, I'm cheating, cheating, <laughs> cheating. Okay, so um, on most Friday nights, we would go and get um, fish and chips and a gherkin. Fish and chips and a what? Gherkin. A gherkin? Hey, let's go get a gherkin. <laughs> um... Fish and chips and a gherkin. So let me ask you a question. Would this you? Maybe this may be two in a, two in a row that you don't get. Okay, so this may be tuna. Like what? <laughs> two in a row. Two. So hmm. Okay. So let me ask a question. One question. When you get the fish and chips and a gherkin, do you get the gherkin while you're having the fish and chips or after you leave? Uh, while you're there, while you're at the fish and chip shop. And I'm going to throw it out. To, I'm going to do something else as well. There's actually, um, there's a, how do I word this one? Well, let's stick with the fish and chip one. Okay, gherkin, gherkin. So you have a fish. Get out of the fish and chip shop. Gherkin, gherkin. Is it vinegar? Nope. You have some gherkin on the on the fish and chips because some people no. do vinegar like like you. Not, not me. I hate vinegar. Oh, you got to get vinegar. Um, okay, is is it some type of drink? Nope. 
A dessert? No. Come on! A gher- I have no idea then. A gherkin is what the English call a pickle. A pickle? You know, like the big <laughs> jars. <laughs> and you would get them at fish and yeah. chip shops. You, you would okay. get, oh, I'll, have a, I'll have a gherkin. Okay. So if you were having a burger, you'd have gherkin on it instead of pickle. Wow. Yeah. Now and sometimes you can get a big gherkin, a big pickle. Yeah, that's okay. what they are in, in the in the big jars. In the big jars. Okay. But here's another thing. In London, there is a building called the Gherkin. Just just Google it right now. The okay. Gherkin Building, and it's one of the biggest buildings in London, and they call it the Gherkin. How do you spell Gherkin with a U? G H E R K I N. Okay, that's already already coming up immediately. The Gherkin London. See it there? Yeah. And it looks like a pickle. And it's known as the Gherkin. Okay. So there you go. There, that's... Wow. I wonder, has it been there for... It, uh, it was completed in December 2003. It opened in April 2004, which means I would have seen it when I was in London in 2005. If you had got out of the airport. I well, I did. I spent. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Um, yeah, wow. Whenever you watch like James Bond films or things like that, they'll That's always the have the gherkin. Yeah. yeah. How cool! Wow. So you know, uh, you know what this <laughs> this podcast is educational. It is. Yeah, thank you. You know man. what? This should be on on every homeschooling uh, roster to to have this. Every kid's got to listen to this. Hey, I love that idea. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. Hey, and you know what? We're getting ready to release merch. Oh, here we go. There we go. So keep checking RevivalTownPodcast.com. And when you see that merch button, click on it. We're talking shirts, hats, mugs. It's coming. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Um, Also, make sure you're checking us out on social media. We're going to be upping that a little bit as well in the next few weeks. That's right. In fact, next episode, we'll have to read some of our new ratings. We've um, more than doubled our ratings here recently. Something like that. So thank you guys for listening, for taking the time to... Especially those of you on app that listen via Apple Podcast. Yeah, and, so. and if you want to give us a, a review, a rating, like Chuck just said, go to the Apple Podcast uh, section page, page yeah. and uh, give us a rating. That'd be great. Well, Chuck, I enjoyed this again. Hey, happy anniversary! I got you a big gherkin. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate, and we'll see you soon. Okay. listening to this episode of revival town podcast make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more information head on over to revivaltownpodcast.com Sorry.